Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. I am Ali Nitschke, your host for the show, and today I'm very excited to share with you a guest. So I am interviewing a wonderful, wonderful uh, guest who is talking all things feminine power and stepping into that as a leader, some of the unlearning that needs to happen as well. It is a fascinating uh, conversation, so much so uh, we are talking about what part two will look like as well. But I did want to introduce uh, her to you. Her name is Josephine Palermo. Uh, she'll correct me on the pronunciation in the, the main interview there. But Josephine brings a deep understanding of gender psychology and organisational de- dynamics to her philosophy of feminine power. Her latest book, Rising to Feminine Power, The Lesso of Truth, documents the journey women go through to achieve true feminine power in their work and life and explains why many women struggle with power. She's also the host of the popular podcast called Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. Josephine knows how to build an engaging conversation and share her expertise passion and personality in a way that keeps audiences magnetized and I was certainly magnetized throughout our conversation today. One of her key focuses is around how do women overcome the barriers they face and use a positive feminine lens to create and build collective power. Uh, If you are listening to this and you're thinking, yes, I want to know all about it. If you are uh, not a woman or someone who identifies as a woman and thinking, I don't need to know anything about this, I will challenge you there and say, listen in, because there is so many lessons to be learned around our biases, uh, our conditioning. And uh, Josephine also talks a little bit around, um, you know, some of the, the blueprint for, sorry, the template rather, the template for modern leadership. So if you are a leader already, an aspiring leader, a seasoned leader, listen in to this one because uh, I think leadership is shifting and uh, Josephine shares her expertise on that today. Let's dive on in. As always, uh, please like this, leave us a review if you enjoyed it and don't forget to share it with your friends. Welcome to the Made For More podcast. I'll be sharing my experiences along with some actionable advice to take your leadership to the next level. Introducing your host, it's me, Ali Nitschke. I'm a leadership and courageous conversations expert, a Nutella lover, a mother of four young boys, a wife, and a dance floor junkie. I'm here to give you the motivation you need to level up, lead yourself, lead your team, and your business. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of the Made for More podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have joining me, Josephine Palmero. How are you? I'm good, Ali. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And I've just realised I pronounced your name incorrectly. Can you can you correct me on that? I so know you've Josephine. got to roll the R. You, Palermo. Palermo. Oh, Palermo. Yes, I'm going to have to practice that <laughs> a little bit later. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you very much. Oh, look, it's it's great to be here. And I, I know we're going to talk about some things that we're both really passionate about. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation too. Me also. So uh, yeah. why don't we actually just kick right into it? Can you share a little bit with the listeners and those who are watching, uh, where did you come from and where are you going? 
I love those questions. Um, so I'm I'm a daughter of a migrant Italian family, and a lot of my ideas about what I didn't want to do come from there in some way. So I grew up with um, you know role models that that didn't express my idea of what it was to be a woman, what it was to achieve as a woman, and so really my whole life purpose was to look for other role models, but also to do things differently because I, in my family, you know, traditional Italian family southern italian family that the women were very um oppressed or suppressed by the men they were in service to the men in that family and that was just tradition and it was that what you did and um i knew that education was my ticket out so i i i was really um focused on school i got a phd in education i thought i'm going to get out of here i'm going to do it differently and so when i did my phd i actually studied gendered psychology and um and i looked at what it what kind of impact women had in the workplace and particularly women in management and what was that feeling of marginality that they had and and how did it impact them particularly being different you know uh, rather than rather than being part of the major group which we know you know there are more more males in management so 20 years on from there I've had a whole career I've been an academic I've I've worked in corporate I've had very senior roles in corporate um, Australia leading large teams leading leadership development as well as cultural and strategic change and I thought you know it's time to write a book that people will actually want to read because nobody reads your PhD all the all the publications that come after that I mean they're very academic and so it's not accessible to everyone so I really wanted to write a book that was about what can you do in, at a very practical level to um, to strengthen our ideas about femininity and what it means for women in their work lives, in their in their family, in their life in general, when we bring our whole selves to everything? What does being feminine really mean? And um, can we do it differently? Can we think about it differently? Oh, I love this. I'm so glad that we're having the opportunity to talk about this today because uh, I. I hear this a lot um, and I think it's becoming more and more mainstream. I know you mentioned you've been doing this for the last 20 years. I feel like sometimes experts, which you are in this field, you're going, yeah, but I've been talking about this for decades. Everyone's only just kind of catching on. Uh, So very, very timely. And uh, you, you really touched on it just in your intro there around what does this actually mean for me? So do you think for our listeners, you could sort of share the idea around um, femininity and feminine yeah. power and then the the yin and the yang for that, the masculine and the masculine yes. power and sort of how that's how you've seen that play out over the last couple of decades, specifically in that corporate space, in that leadership space? Yeah. What are the what are the roles and what are, what are you seeing changing at the moment? Yeah. And and. and- Unfortunately, I have to go to a definition first, but then then, then I'll then I'll tell a story. So excellent. Um, so femininity and masculinity are are gendered identities. So they're not related to our biological sex. They can be, and often um, f- often uh, females born uh, with you know female sex organs are are, are culturated or we socialise girls to be feminine, and we socialise boys to be 
to be masculine. And in fact, we treat babies differently depending on whether we think they're boys or girls. There's been some really, really interesting research that shows that we will pick up a baby that we think is a girl in a different way to the way we rough handle a baby we think is a boy, regardless of whether they're actually a boy or a girl. So these these um, socialization practices, the way in which we we think of the gender divide happen very early in life. It's the early experiences that form our perception of what men and women are. But when we think about psychological gender, both men and women have masculinity and femininity. We can express both of those things, but, but you know, women will express femininity more so than men will, and men will express masculinity more so than, than females will. So there's that. So when we separate out gender from sex, there's a bit more freedom there. So yeah. then we can we can start to question, well, why are women in roles that are more passive? That are, that why are women uh, in roles where the majority of their work roles, uh, they tend to be cl um, clustered in areas in an organisation that has the less paying jobs? You know, why are women there? Why are men in positions of power more so than, than, than women? Why do we only have 18% of women in the Australian C-suite. What, what is going on? When we actually look at the characteristics of femininity versus masculinity, we don't see that femininity is, is irrelevant to leadership and work. In fact, we see femininity as being very relevant to particularly the adaptive problems that we face today in leadership. Because when we think about it, leaders are facing into a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of um, adaption and innovation that they need to drive. And really feminine characteristics of relationship building, collaboration, working in yeah. a more collective sense, thinking of power in a more collective sense, um, empathy, understanding each other and really leaning into feelings. We need all of those things for the future capabilities that 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 uh, that we we know are important for leadership. And we need all of those characteristics, those particular traits for those problems that we're going to solve. Because the problems we're solving are really complex problems. You're not going to solve them with the same information that you used, you know, back when, when we were dealing with just complicated problems. So femininity, particularly when we think about it that way, is um, almost like the template for modern leadership. And yet we still see a lot of females, a lot of women, not in those roles, and we still see a power differential. And that's because of stereotyping, biases. It's the way in which we've, um, all of our structures in, in society and at work have been developed to really be biased against femininity. And, and so my, I wanna make a case for fem femininity. I wanna say, you know, we need to think about which of those structures in our workplaces, in our family life, in our home lives are structured and biased against femininity when that's actually really what we need. Oh my gosh, so good. Oh, let me just let me just let me just calibrate that with my own understanding of femininity. So I'm not sure if you know this, Josephine, but I've got four sons who are I all didn't quite know young. You so had four sons, actually. Yes, yes. So I'm deeply invested in mm. uh, making sure that they aren't necessarily only put into that stereotype of yeah. boys being boys. And uh, all of my sons uh, proudly wore tutus right up until, well, they probably still do, on the weekends. We're painting nails. And it's interesting how you say yeah. how society teaches uh, little boys and little girls 
differently because I've got a um, my third son. He's six at the moment, but he's got this beautiful golden long hair, blonde hair, very very long, yes. you know, halfway down his back. And when we're out at the shops with all of my children, so all four sons people treat him very differently yeah. and speak to him differently. And then they find out that he's a, a boy um, or he identifies as a boy. And uh, it is fascinating to watch people just completely change their demeanor, their tone, the way that they even approach him. Uh, it's a it's a very good lesson in how we are conditioned to think. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what I'm hearing is it's one of those things that, you know, when we talk about nature versus nurture, by the time people are entering into the workforce, what do you think are sort of some of the key things that leaders need to be thinking about uh, when we're talking about this template for modern leadership, which 100% we need more caring, we need a lot more um, problem solving as yeah. we get into more of those complexities and, co and complications. What do you think are some of the keys that leaders need to be able to identify and perhaps even unlearn yes. as part of the next era, the next iteration, evolvement or evolving leadership journey? Mm. There's a few. There's a few. I think that firstly, uh, we need to, we need leaders to be recruiting for these characteristics. And, um, and a lot of our recruitment processes um, don't do that. We still have a lot of recruitment processes that recruit on the things you know, in other mm -hmm. words, the, the technical expertise versus yeah. some of these capabilities, which are more intangible in a way, but more relational more about the way in which you are in the world rather than the way in, in rather than what you know so I think leaders need to steer away from this competency compulsion that yeah. we have where we we feel like if we just get the right person with this with the expertise the technical expertise that'll be right and and in particular what we have to acknowledge is that women have had less of an opportunity because of biases because of our our um our socialization and and also just lack of opportunity um to practice leadership to so mm. so there's no point recruiting for particularly to leadership positions there's no point recruiting based on past experience only on that when you know that that for some women who have had career breaks etc who have perhaps not not um put themselves up for a position in the past because of lots of self-doubt around imposter syndrome, et cetera, which is not yeah. about what they think of themselves. It's what others think of women and gender stereotypes that they then internalize. So mm -hmm. that what we have to do is actually think about what are we recruiting for? And for example, I'll give you an example. When I was at um, Telstra, I was um, I was a general manager in charge of strategic uh, change for Telstra operations, and we had apprentices that were coming in um, to the technical roles at Telstra, uh, the, the kind of network engineering roles, and we weren't we weren't getting enough female applicants. So the first thing we did was change the photo in the ad because the ad had you know, the recruitment ad had a photo of a boy with tools. Yep. So we changed that too. And then so and then so that that meant we got more more applications from girls and uh, uh, who were eligible. However, they weren't getting the positions. And so when we looked into that, what we found was that the interview process was based on what was their experience handling technical tools. Mm, so if you right. want to get girls into apprentices into apprenticeships, you don't ask them about uh 
experience where they've had more limited opportunity because of what they've been handed to them you know the opportunities that they've been handed to in high school in their family life they're going to have less opportunity to perhaps handle tools it doesn't mean they're not interested in it it doesn't mean that they're not going to be great at it but they've had less opportunity so what we did was we changed the recruitment process to a group assessment process where we could view those um, potential candidates in a group in a group activity and see how they related to each other are they likely to to be able to speak to customers etc and what we found was that more girls were being recruited because they they kind of really blitzed the group assessment whereas they weren't doing as well in the individual interview so that again it's it's um you know we, we just changed a little thing to create um, a higher um, higher level of access for those jobs. And so so firstly for leaders, definitely looking at all of those systems that that perhaps bias women even getting there, even getting their foot in the door. And then secondly, you need to create an environment and a culture that helps people flourish, helps all people flourish. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of non-conforming men who would love to express femininity more so than they are allowed to or feel like they're allowed to do in cultures that perhaps are more focused on competition and domination and more um, sort of assertiveness. I'm not saying that competition is irrelevant or unnecessary there's really good uses for competition in corporate australia in corp in global corporates as as a cultural characteristic but if you're totally focused on expressions of power which are about competition mm -hmm. at the detriment of expressions of power which are about let's work together on something let's have a collective impact yeah. then you're not going to um you're not going to firstly attract the, the kind of people that are more likely to feel comfortable in that environment, but you're also not going to set, be setting up the conditions for people to succeed who are perhaps who have those characteristics, who want to work more collectively, who want, who have empathy, who, who are who, who scan their environment and really are great around relationship building mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps you know, they, they, they don't have that natural inclination to um, compete at all costs. I don't think we, we, you know, we know, again, many organisations fail when they have that kind of culture because, because, you know, individuals just don't thrive and they don't, they don't come together to solve problems. And so they might, they might have had that um, special source when they were dealing again, you know, back in the day when we were dealing with very complicated yep. problems, engineering problems are complicated problems. The world of AI and technology is a complex problem. Yes. Those things don't align anymore. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So what do you think when it comes to, um, like that's obviously when leaders or new leaders are joining an organization as part of the recruitment process. What about some of the unlearning that needs to happen at those more senior levels um, of leadership? Yeah. I know I, I work with a lot of women um, throughout like our exec summit and yeah. I have a lot of um, private clients, which are women and all of them are going, I work in a male dominated industry. Yeah. We're trying to disrupt sort of the, the quotas for lack of a better word. Yeah. What do you think um, 
What do you think are some of the key things that some of those people that are already in those leadership roles, and I'm talking those men that need to become allies or, or would benefit from becoming yeah. allies, what do they need to unlearn? Yeah. So it's um, it's it's a difficult one because they are behaving in ways yeah. that that gave them successful outcomes before. Mm. So you know it, it's rational. It's rational for them to continue to behave in those ways. Um, but I think more executives uh, and more executive teams are really grappling with some some problems that require greater collaboration, that require greater interdependencies between the functional roles that that executives have. So so I think they're being challenged. They're being challenged around vulnerability and more personal leadership. So so I think these trends are already here. So there's there's a case made for that. And and we need to make it in some ways beneficial for them to lean into that and to do things differently. And and I think that other women can can be part of that solution. So sometimes we find it uncomfortable to um to to negotiate or even go into a conflict what we feel like might be a, a conflict situation when we see something happening when we don't call out the behavior we mm. don't know how to we don't know how to have that conversation or we don't know how to um perhaps circle back and do it later i'll give you a really good example in and in, in my and the book I recently wrote, I, I um, asked women to talk about their experiences of power. And one of the contributors, she's beautiful, beautiful woman. She's in um, Hong Kong. And she wrote about the fact that she was in a, a, a meeting with a, a male executive, a senior um, female manager, senior male manager, and she was junior at the time. And what she saw was the executive come in and he was berating the male manager about a, a stakeholder that the male manager didn't want to deal with. You know, this this guy was avoiding the situation. And so the executive said to him, oh, come on, just grow some balls. And the male manager sort of just you know, chuckled or whatever. And then the senior woman said, hang on a minute, that's, that's, that's not on what you've mm. just said there, just stop a minute. And the executive kind of didn't know what was, you know, what sort of said, what, what did I do? What did I do? And he actually walked off because he yeah. didn't care. And, and this is the other thing. It's not my job to change you. It's not my job to change anybody. But you can call out when something, that when you notice that something is actually not right. And then the male manager turned to the two women who were left in the room and really in in a very authentic way turned around and said why isn't that right you know we we say that all the time around here what what yeah. is it about that that isn't right and that was the first time that she'd actually seen someone lean in with curiosity because we're not going to get it right you know yeah at the moment we are so scared to talk about gender and get the pronouns wrong and you know be and and offend people that we're just not having conversations i'm not an expert uh, at all around all of the um nomenclature around gender you know i don't think anyone is it's evolving every yeah. moment of the day how can we be but but what i am is curious and i'll ask an open question and and so isn't that isn't that a beautiful question from him because he said why isn't it right you know yeah with curiosity and i think so so rather than thinking about changing behaviors it's opening up dialogue saying yeah. what are we doing like what if we did it differently what are we doing that that we could change um what are my biases? How does that impact you? Just yeah. open dialogue. And and I think that that 
that then we start to get a an understanding and we do it with compassion because i think mm. men and women are, are you know we're all grappling with the same problems but i think men in particular are really grappling with this because um, we're at a crossroads at the moment where they're getting a lot of information about you know new ways of of in some ways expressing power through mm, these new gender mm, expressions mm, and yeah. and you know unless we unless we have an open dialogue with the men in the room how do we expect them to gain an understanding or even to to um you know get gain that uh pathway forward for them you know i, I it would be a very scary time i think without without that so it's mm. compassion i think we just need to lean in with a bit of compassion oh my gosh so much to unpack there and gosh you you literally read my mind when i was thinking oh there's going to be some listeners that are, are going to be questioning whether we're being you know, the Made For More podcast is being diverse enough around gender yeah. um, labelling pronouns. And I just want to to clarify that, that we're talking mm-hmm. about feminine and masculine energy and how people show up in the world. And I, right. I think you're right. It's a continually evolving topic. There's so much fluidity in it and we are still learning. And I'm not an expert and don't pretend to be an expert by any means yeah. um, in that space. And there certainly are some great experts to draw on. And I think it's going to be a continual conversation that will evolve even outside of what we're already talking about uh, right now. You you said something really interesting there around um, having some, some vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it as well. It's very much, and I, I think leadership in itself is shifting, not necessarily yeah. the people so much in it, but leadership in itself is shifting from a do as I say, not what I do, to how can I actually have a conversation, open up some of that dialogue and get curious and heaven forbid, yes. not be yeah. the expert and not know all the answers. So I love that um, there's that, that story in your book when you were talking around the statistics of around 17% of women um, in the C-suite in Australia do you think or do you know have you come across this has that gone backwards since um, you know since the pandemic and people did start working from home I know certainly in my group of colleagues and in my group of um, friends there were a number of people that had to either step back, pull back, pull back to part-time or reduce work hours purely on a logistics um, game. I've read a few uh, articles around what that has meant in terms of equality yeah. and what it's meant for women getting a seat at the table. Mm. Have you got any qualitative um, bits I, you can add to that? You know, I don't have the most recent statistics, but um, when you look at the globe, not not in Australia, but when you look at the global statistics, mm. um n- really the the gaps are not um they're not getting any smaller so we yeah. so so while it didn't go backwards necessarily after covid we didn't get this surge forward as well there's yeah. this it's it's glacial movement and you know according to the 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 global <laughs> uh, OECD report we will we will uh, have gender parity in terms of positional power and pay uh, gaps as well uh in 135 years yeah geez and I think we shouldn't wait that long. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it's it's interesting when we talk about conditioning. I mean, you talked about um, conditioning in your own family. Um, you're a daughter of a migrant. I'm the daughter of a, a mother, a woman who was a a scientist in in her field back in the sort of 70s and 80s Wonderful. when women were not scientists. I ah. also grew up on a farm and, you know, was welding and playing with pumps and doing all sorts of things that little girls uh, shouldn't be doing uh, in my childhood. So my conditioning mm-hmm. has been very much around, well, you know, anything you can do, I can do as well. But yeah. I know that that's not the same for so, so many. So I'm always very grateful mm. for that unconditioning mm. early on. Yeah. Do you think there's a um, 
is there a bypass? Is there a workaround to break down some of this conditioning? Because often the biases, we're not even aware that we're holding on yes. to them until you go, oh, gee, yeah, exactly. let's get a bit vulnerable. Let's get a bit curious. Is there any kind of um, circuit breaker that you've come across to uh, just shine a light on those those types of beliefs? Yes. So so awareness is really important. And because because stereotypes are cognitive functions that really help us you know we we go through life um, making um, categorizations and interpreting and um, and making assumptions because our you know we would have cognitive overload if we didn't do that we wouldn't be able to think as quickly but what happens particularly is when we're tired when Mm. we're stressed those that that kind of um, frontal brain that 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 tunes in on reasoning and rationality kind of shuts down and so particularly when we're under pressure we're going to those those stereotypes are going to come up to the fore even more Mm. and so so really what we need to do is slow things down or have an understanding that when we are under pressure if we're going to make decisions we're most likely going to be um affected by biases and stereotypes even more so 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 that's something to really watch is and that's why slowing things down and um and that open dialogue and questioning is is really important and and particularly having um more people involved from different backgrounds in decision making is always going to going to help as well um because you're you're diluting some of those assumptions that you make across but most of the time you know we're making decisions as individuals and it's about definitely slowing that down yeah i've not heard it from that perspective before gosh you're making my own brain just have a little (laughs) have a little bit of a back flick i'm like oh no ali slow down wait we've got things to do um because it's the energy, right? It's going, get get the stuff done. Actually, no, let's make better decisions. Oh my goodness. I feel like we're going to have to have a part two to this because I've got, I've got further questions. So we'll have to we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but Josephine, before we say goodbye, what would be your top five tips, either that you wish you knew when you yeah. entered uh, the leadership world at your beginning of your career or some advice that you would have and like to share mm. uh, with leaders now? Yeah. So the first one is perhaps, well, these aren't in order, but perhaps slow down, like I just said, you know, and I think, you know, I think I I could have benefited from that too. The second one is my feminine unique strengths are valuable for Mm. leadership. And, And I wish I had known that early on because for many years I tried to fit myself into that round hole and I thought I was a square peg and then I realized the hole was the wrong shape you know I was perfectly (laughs) round it was the hole that was square and I didn't know that and so I spent many years just you know kind of battling that so so really and really really believing that your unique feminine strengths are valuable um the other one would be um gaining perspectives on biases uh, where I can. So mm-hmm. so being compassionate, self-compassionate, I am a, I will have biases, I will make mistakes, and then starting from there. So having more open open curiosity from there. And the, the next one, I think I'm up to number four, is- I think this is four, yes. Four, um, motivate people through autonomy because they want to do it their way. So, you know, contro- you're, you're on a hiding to nothing if you're trying to control um, your mm. environment and motivate people at the same time. And the last one would be focus on teams because mm. that's where the collaboration is. I think mm. in organisations, even with leaders, we we, we, re- we remunerate, we recognise people individually 
let's 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 what if we actually recognize teams for their collective achievements and now our, our bonus structures were were related solely on that and i know that that's been trialed and not done well but yeah. we also need to need to um, adjust the the way in which we see power in that context because you oh. can't do that and still have hierarchical power because those things go that's why it doesn't work those things are at odds but that would be the thing focus on teams yes all right that is that's giving me some ideas for our next day poor josephine she's being locked in now because we're recording uh, no <laughs> we'll talk about this afterwards and i mean i think that's really interesting when you're talking about teams and collaboration because you touched on it earlier around how yeah. do we reward people normally it's through achievements but if that's not your motivator that's not your intrinsic motivator mm. then why on why would you participate in whatever it happens to be if it's not something that's in alignment with you so yeah. it'll be interesting to um, see how that sort of unfolds over the coming time for teams to go yeah actually we are better and stronger together yeah. than we are as individuals and I think that's sort of a shift of going are we safe in the workplace to let some of that vulnerability show and go ah yes I do need my people they are all important versus uh watching her back for yeah. lack of a better word exactly oh my goodness um and now your book is up on here for everyone who's watching but for those that are listening can you just yeah. share the title and where people yes. can go to grab a copy yes it's um rising to feminine power and it's got a beautiful Linda Carter Wonder Woman on the front cover. It's an original painting by uh, Melissa Labazetta. And um, uh, you can find it at www.risingtofeminepower.com. Brilliant. And I'll add that in the show notes as well if you'd Thank like you. to grab a copy. And where can people find you, Josephine? Where do you like to hang out? Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me, Josephine Palermo with the R on LinkedIn. Excellent. I'll add that in the show notes as Thank well. You. Any last words, any last tidbits that you wanted to leave as a takeaway? Oh, you know, it's been a great conversation. I agree. We could keep talking about this. I, I, I'm i hoping that this has inspired some people to just start questioning and think differently. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you have. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode on the Made For More podcast, please make sure you subscribe to receive future episodes. And of course, five-star reviews are always welcome on the Apple podcast. If you'd like a copy of the show notes or any of the links mentioned today, check out madeformore.com.au forward slash podcast. And of course, if we aren't connected already, you can find me in all the usual places. Ali Nitschke on LinkedIn, ali.madeformore on Facebook and Instagram. I hope you have an awesome week and I'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.